Welcome to More Than a Budget, a podcast presented by Relational Media. Co-founders Jeff Fine Thomas, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and John Mitchell, a certified financial planner, combine the fields of psychology and personal finance to help couples improve their relationships and discover what is more important than money. I'm Jeff. And I'm John. And today I'm going to uh, talk with us a little bit about some basics for retirement. Um, And so I've got to put some disclosures out there since we're talking about a word that is definitely inside of my field. Okay. Um, Yes. um, If you guys listen to the intro, I am a certified financial planner. Um, That is what I do, you know, during the days. Um, But I am not your planner. And so... Meaning you're not the listener's planner. You're not my planner and you're not the listener's planner. That is what I'm saying. So I'm not going to be um, giving any investment advice today. I'm not going to be, you know, setting out a financial plan for anybody. But I thought it might be helpful if we could just, especially for our younger listeners, um, really kind of lay out what I think are some of the core basic concepts of how do I start thinking at a young age um, about retirement issues. So the first thing to recognize is that, yes, you are going to get older. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Um, You know, time goes pretty slow in your teens and, you know, maybe a little bit quicker in your 20s. But, you know, it doesn't take too long before people hit their mid-30s or early 40s and go, oh, my goodness, this aging thing seems to be pretty consistent. middle-aged. It's kind of like a calendar. It just keeps keeps, keeps happening. keeps happening. And so, obviously, we want to be cognizant of the idea that, there's going to be a day down the road when you stop getting a paycheck. And yes, I want that to sink in. <laughs> Older folks are going, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, but right. Yes, there is a day when you stop getting a paycheck and, and you're not done yet. They don't put you in a hole. They don't take you out in the backyard <laughs> when you get your last paycheck. And pow. <laughs> that's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so... The number one thing that we need to be thinking about as early as possible um, is that that we need to. This is something we actually have to plan for. There's a lot of things that we can just manage day to day. We can be successful and not get into debt without a plan mm-hmm. by just not spending too much. I mean, that makes yeah. a plan, but but we're just not going to get into debt, right? But saving for something requires making it important, recognizing that it exists, that it's a need, and we're going to make space for it. You know, if I get a cat, I've got it. I'm also not just deciding on the cat. I'm deciding on veterinary bill and the food cat litter bill and, and all the stuff that's going to go along with the cat, right? right. Cat toys. I, I've decided that if I'm going to go on a vacation, somebody's got to watch the cat. So one of the things that we've got to recognize is that, you know, this is a thing and I need to make some space for it. We need to make some space for it. I want to talk about just kind of an interesting little adventure. I think most people understand kind of what compounding interest is. But you, really but you cool. should explain it because I'm not sure everyone understands compound interest. Well, I mean, it's a really simple idea that, you know, you know, if I have, if I have a hundred dollars and over time it doubles based on interest, now I'm getting interest on $200, which is twice as much interest as I was getting when it was a hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, now it grows faster. And so one of the things that we look at um, I'm not a real math guy. I'm not like a math nerd, but there are some really cool math nerd things. I like, you know, pi, you know, 3.14. It's mm-hmm. kind of a math nerd thing. It mm-hmm. exists in nature. Sure. Um, and it helps us figure things out about circles. 
Um, you know, there's there's Fibonacci sequences that we see in nature. You know, the patterns that we see in pineapples and mm-hmm. leaves and all kinds of cool stuff comes from cool numbers like that. Well, there's yeah. another little numbery thing. It's called the rule of 72. Okay, tell us what this is. The rule of 72 basically says that if you take a number that represents the amount of interest you could earn or the return that you can earn on something. So 5%, 6%. 5%, 7%, if you can get a consistent interest rate, if you take that number and divide it into 72, it tells you how long it would take your money to double. Okay. So for instance, not representing any specific investment here, but if you could make 7% a year, divide it into 72, it's going to tell you that in just slightly over 10 years, your money will have doubled. If you can make 10%, it's going to double in 7.2 years, right? Easy math. Mm-hmm. The idea of having your money double is really pretty impressive, especially if we're talking something that could double you know, between 7 and 10 years. Now, it's not very impressive if you're 70 years old and you're wanting to double your money every seven years. Yeah. You got to, you're saying you got to start young. You got to start young to really benefit from this. So I always have this trick question that I ask um, people, and that is, what is the most important double that you're going to make over your lifetime? Is it the first double that you make, or is it the last double that you make? Mm-hmm. In other words, is it the double that I make from you know age 20 to 30, or is mm-hmm. it the double that I make from 55 to 65? Jeff, what do you think? Well, I already know the answer because you already told me the answer. Oh, well, then that's no fun at all. (laughs) Most people think it's going to be the last one because uh, it's going to be the biggest amount, right? mm -hmm. But actually, it's the first one because the first one determines when you start. It's the one that determines how many doubles you get. Mm -hmm. So if I don't start until I'm 35 versus somebody who starts when they're 25... The 35-year-old gets one less double than the 25-year-old right. does. That's right. Well, how important is that, Jeff? Huge. It's massive. It's massive. If you kind of think about, you know, well, we could, you know, what would it take to save $700,000? Or what would it take to save a million? By starting earlier, you get to double those numbers one more time. Okay. So I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. There, there could be someone listening right now mm-hmm. who has not taking advantage of this phenomenon when they were in their 20s. Right. And they may feel very discouraged by this fact. Yep. But I'm going to suggest that maybe they should start now anyway. There is one of my favorite um, lines out of an old book. I don't know who wrote it, but it was this idea that, you know, I want to live in a place where old men plant trees whose shade they will never sit under. Mm Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, that sounds kind of cool and romantic and all that. But really, it brings up the question of when is the best day to plant a tree? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yesterday. The second best day is today. Yeah. We could always have started earlier. But the point is, is that we, if we want to really um, be good stewards, um, planning says... I'm not going to spend all my time regretting what I didn't do yesterday. I'm going to start moving forward with what I can do today. Okay, that sounds good. Now, I got you off off target. Sorry about that. You can go back to where you're headed. So, yeah. So, you know, keep in mind that the earlier you start today, the earlier you start, 
you know, the more times you're going to get a double. Uh, we don't need to bemoan the doubles that we can't get because we didn't start earlier. But what are some of the easiest ways to start? Most of us, a good chunk of us, are going to work for companies that have some sort of a retirement plan. We cannot participate in that retirement plan if we need 105% of our wages to pay our bills. Does that make sense, what mm-hmm. I just said, Jeff? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that has to happen is I have to decide that I'm going to create space in my budget. Now, the good news is that I have some control over that. The bad news is I may not have a lot of control over that today. I may have bought a car. I may have rented an apartment that's really expensive. We may have bought a house that was a little bit more money than what we'd planned. We may have, and we could spend an hour talking about all the, the I may have. Sure. But if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're saying, hey, I just listened to this podcast on retirement planning, and I know that we don't have the money right now to, to start, but we need to have a discussion about making it a priority so as dollars come available, as things get paid off, or as we get a raise, we are going to make a decision that this is going to be the new first thing that we fund next. So that's not going to be an accidental conversation, is it, Jeff? No. You're going to have to plan for it. you got to plan. You've got to decide that this thing that is going to happen on the calendar is going to get served. It's going to get serviced in a way um, that honors the future need. Now, a lot of this gets down to um, being a broken record and talking about knowing your current location. Mm -hmm. This means that both of you have to sit down and say, where are our current dollars going? And are we content with where those dollars are going? Are there some things that really don't fit our core values? And if so, could they be eliminated and traded in on doing something that needs to be in our core values, which is we're going to save for the future. Mm -hmm. We're going to be savers. We're going to be investors. We're going to be planners. um, And we're going to start addressing this need. So that's the type of conversation that you'd have. Okay. I have a lot of people that will ask, well, how in the world would I even know how much I would need to retire on? Well, this comes out of that discussion of knowing your location. If you know what it costs you to live today, you have a general idea of how much your financial culture costs. We've mentioned this concept before. Yeah. And that is that left our own devices, this is how it how much it costs us to feed ourselves, to clothe ourselves, to house ourselves, to house, to vacation, to medical, to education, to all of these things. We've created a culture Um, that fits within our financial system. Okay. I can look at that cost structure and I can ask a simple math question. And that is how much money would I need in a lump sum to earn interest off of that to support it? How much would it take drawing interest off of that bucket of money to pay for our financial culture if I didn't get a paycheck? So the interest on the lump sum would be the amount you would need every month or once a year or whatever to live right. same way you are now. Right. Okay. Now maybe your company offers a pension. So you're going to get a certain amount every month. And maybe you work for the government and you're going to get a pension when you retire and it's, and it's going to cover, you look ahead and you go, Oh, that would cover about 60% of what our financial culture costs. Okay. So what's the shortage? How much money do I need per month from the shortage? Maybe you go, well, I believe that Social Security is still going to be there in the way that it is now. I think I can use that as part of 
the thing that's going to help cover our future financial culture cost. Okay. Right. And then you get left with this shortage. <laughs> uh huh. I can't live on so. I don't want to live on social security alone. I don't want to live on social security and a small pension alone. I want to make sure that we can keep doing the things that we value doing. Right. Yeah. There's an old idea called an endowment policy. And the idea is basically we see it in big colleges. They raise money and they load up their endowments so that they can help pull money off of this big bucket of money to spend on college programs to offset what they don't collect in tuition, right? And the giant endowments have enough to pay for all their students' tuition sometimes. Crazy, crazy idea. Mm -hmm. Well, an endowment is an awful lot like a retirement policy. And that is we have some sources of income that are going to be fixed, which could be pensions or, or Social Security or some other source. Mm-hmm. And then we have to have an endowment, a source of money, a, a bucket, if you will, a retirement fund that is going to cash flow some money off of it in order to supplement the rest. Okay. Well, one thing about universities, they, 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 they tend to study things. Um, and there's been a lot of study around endowments and what we call this endowment policy idea. And historically, um, for a long time, advisors and planners and um, people who managed endowments used something that they called the 4% rule. Okay, what's that? The 4% rule basically says that if you have a bucket of money and you manage it reasonably, and I'm not going to get into any details of that, Okay. but if you manage it reasonably and rationally, you should be able to pull 4% per year off of that bucket of money including the idea that inflation is going to have an impact down the road. Okay. And not deplete the endowment. Okay. Because what is the life expectancy of a big university? Who knows? Hundreds it's, of years, maybe? It's in perpetuity. Right. I mean, the idea to have some these big institutions is they will always be here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you may not always be here. Correct. But... 20 or 30 years or maybe 40 years of retirement is a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kind of looking at your retirement fund as building your future endowment is the way a lot of financial advisors and planners have functioned over the years. And it works pretty well, but it gives you an idea of how much will I need if I pull 4% off of that in order to support retirement. Okay. That lets you, with a decent calculator, that lets you figure out kind of how much money you need to be putting away, you know, a month or a week or out of each paycheck. Um, and, you know, obviously we want to make sure if we have a retirement plan at work that we're utilizing that, especially if the company's giving away free money in a match. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to be opposed to free money. I, no. I tend to like it. Yeah. It's a good thing. So we want to we do that. So that's the basic structure is starting to think ahead of what do I know? If I'm going to solve a problem, that means there's some things that I don't know. But I want to start with the idea of what do I know? Well, my spouse and I can probably sit down and and in figuring out what our current location is, we can figure out how much it costs us today to live. That becomes a really important part of future retirement planning because it kind of tells us how much does it cost to keep us comfortable? Mm Mm-hmm. How much does it cost to keep us safe? Now, if I said, oh, by the way, when I retire, we want to travel a lot, and here's how much I need to add to my financial culture to add in that travel. Or, oh, when I retire, we're going to scale back 
and live in a tiny house in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, I can reduce that amount, right? But it's either a plus or an add to what I currently know about what it costs us to live. Okay. And I can run that forward and say, what with current inflation numbers, with average inflation numbers, there's all these great calculators already on the internet that would help you kind of determine roughly some of these ideas. Okay. And you can basically take a look forward at what your future retirement income need is going to be. You can subtract out some of the things that you think you know, whether that be a pension, whether that be some social security. Um, You can start eliminating how much money you're going to need per month to make things work. And then you can start looking at how much would it take in retirement, in a nest egg, in an endowment, you know, in a retirement account in order to supplement the things that we don't have. Okay. This is the basic fundamental process of how financial planners get to an idea of how much you need to save, how much you need to invest um, on a monthly basis to reach a goal. So I'm going to imagine that some of our listeners are overwhelmed by, even though I think you've laid this out in a very straightforward way, Mm -hmm. I'm going to imagine that there are some listeners who hear the word money and they suddenly shift their brain off and become very overwhelmed what do you suggest for someone like this? Should they go to a financial planner and let someone help them with this stuff? Yeah, so there are people that are called fee-based, truly fee-based financial planners. They don't invest money for you. They just help you put together a plan. Okay. And they're going to help answer these core questions that, that we've just been talking about. Okay. They're going to say, well, what does it currently cost you to live? And you need to know the answer to that. And they're going to ask you, what do you think it's going to cost you to live in the future? Now, you may go, I don't know how to answer that. You can say, we're planning on down the road living like we're living now or a little larger or a little smaller. And the planner can kind of help you determine what that's going to look like. They can do the math that helps you calculate that. Okay. So let me see if I've got this right. See, Let's see if we can land the plane. Okay. Okay. So I think what you're saying is we have to, we, the people who are wanting to make a plan for our future, have to be our own advocates. Yes. And we have to know our current financial location, how much comes in, how much goes out. We have to know what it is that we might want to spend in the future. You talk about this being the financial culture, like what it costs to live when we're retired. And you also want us to make some room for savings so that we can multiply our dollars by investing them in something that bears interest. Correct. And the earlier we start, the less we have to put back per month to get there. Okay, great. So, you know, whether you do this online through a a computer program that you can find or an app that you can find, um, or whether you feel like you really want the kind of coaching that can come with Um, a local professional, Um, start the process. Start coming up with an idea that says, if we started putting back X amount of dollars per month, we know that we are making progress on this goal. Maybe the goal is going to have to adjust. Maybe we're going to have to save a little more. Maybe we're going to get ahead and can save a little bit less. But get started. Get started with a number that is based in your reality that you have decided together. Mm -hmm. Make progress on it just as you go. Denial is not your friend right now. Just start right now. Get started. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a like, comment, or review. 
and tell your friends. New episodes drop weekly. Learn more about Jeff and John at relational-media.com. 